Well, good morning. My name is Grant, if we haven't met before. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome uh, to old friends and family. It's great to be able to worship together like this today. And just before we get into today's message, why don't we take a moment just to pray together. If I can ask you just to close your eyes and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, as it says in Hebrews, the author and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus, we just come to you this morning and we worship you. We love you. We honor you and just say you are the best thing. And we ask you that wherever we're watching this from today, you would come and be with us. You'd speak to us. You'd open our hearts to hear. You'd help us to focus and remove distractions. And I pray, Jesus, this morning that we would grow to know you and love you and enjoy you more because of what you do this morning through your word. So we welcome you and ask you to speak to us in your name. Amen. I know that each of us have got different stories. Uh, if you've been part of Harbor City for a while, you probably know that I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. But somewhere along the line, probably teaching kids church when I was like 19 or 20 years old, I learned this song that goes, and forgive my voice, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will, you can join me at home if you want, and you will grow, grow, grow. And I think that is one of the best and most practical and helpful pieces of advice that I've ever heard. For any Christian of any age, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow. It's basic compound interest thinking, you know. The more time you spend with God over time, the more you will grow to know Him and become like Him and be changed and grow and mature in your faith. Now, when I came into the church when I was 18, I was taught to have something called a quiet time. Maybe that phrase is new to some of you, uh, but that's not something that you're going to find anywhere in the Bible. It's, it's not a biblical term, but the idea of it is everywhere. And the idea is that you carve out some time out of the busyness of life every day, normally in the morning, to be alone with God and to speak to Him in prayer and to hear from Him through His Word and by His Spirit. And I found out more recently the history of this idea that came about in the 1930s and 1940s. A group of uh, European and Australian evangelicals wrote a booklet, a short kind of devotional booklet called Quiet Time, a practical time for daily devotions that helped to popularize this way of spending time with God in prayer and in the Bible. And it made quiet times the norm, the normal way of doing daily devotions for huge amounts of people around the world. And that's such a good thing. I I would encourage every single person watching this, anyone who wants to know Jesus, to spend some time with Him in the Scriptures and in prayer every day. But there's a danger with the idea of quiet time, and very simply, it's this. You know, whether your quiet time is 15 minutes or half an hour or an hour or hours long, it's, it's not about the, the chunk of time. The danger is that if we only take one time to focus on God in the morning and then don't think about God or speak to God or, or don't focus on Him again all the way until the next day, then we've completely missed the point of what it's all about. A quiet time isn't a religious duty or a chore, a chore, not a chore. This idea is that a time like this helps us to cultivate and develop a whole life with God, a life of prayer, a life of being with Him, being led by Him, hearing from Him, enjoying Him, speaking to Him for ourselves. So a quiet time isn't the end goal. No, a quiet time is the means to an end, which is a life with God. 
And we see this idea throughout the scriptures. But one of the verses that I love is in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. Now the end of 1 Thessalonians is just uh, punch after punch. It's just gospel bombs going off, truth bombs that Paul is sharing with this church. And 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 is one of those verses. I'm going to read it to you from a few different translations. It's really short and memorizable. It says, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly, never stop praying, or pray all the time. Or as MC Hammer said back in the day, we've got to pray just to make it today. Now, what this verse is getting at is that we shouldn't just pray in a a short boundary time slot, and that's our time with God for the day. No, the idea is that prayer should be an ongoing part of our lives, flowing in and out, naturally interwoven with every part of our lives, everywhere we go and everything that we do. And the famous kind of Christian monk, Brother Lawrence, called this way of praying and living, practicing the presence of God. And he wrote about this. He he wrote practically about how we can live this way, saying, The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. What he is talking about is living in a state of prayer everywhere we go and everything that we do. Whether you're working or praying or cooking, whether you're busy or whether you're relaxed, quiet, even in the distractions of life, we can be with God and aware of his presence despite what is going on around us. So yes, we enjoy these set times of prayer, quiet times, devotional times, whatever you want to call them. But more than that, our goal is to practice the presence of God always and to live in a state of prayer. I love that line at the beginning of the quote, a time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. So we pray always. We pray when we think about someone or a situation or a need. We pray when someone asks us for prayer or when someone is sick, we lay our hands and we ask God by his power to supernaturally heal them. We pray when we need wisdom or advice or direction in a situation. We pray in the shower, when we drive our car, when we're washing dishes, when we're cooking. We pray when we are starting to feel anxious about something and are in need. We pray to ask God for help when we feel like we're about to lose our temper. We pray to to thank God for the small and the big blessings in our lives. We pray when we're in need and we pray when we just want to talk and be with God. Christians pray. Christians pray. Now today what I want to do is not to help you to pray spontaneously or organically or in those kind of unplanned ways throughout the day. I think that's a hard thing to teach. But what I want to do is to give you some tools or or some ways to approach these set times of prayer that will help you to practice the presence of God in a way that will overflow into praying without ceasing or praying throughout the day or living in a state of prayer. And probably the most important thing here is your schedule. Psalm 119 verse 147, I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. What we see is that the psalmist clearly sets their alarm for early in the morning uh, before the day starts so that he can get alone to be with God, to pray and to be in God's word. That was the first item on the agenda or the calendar or the schedule or the date plan or whatever you want to say every morning. That was what he started the day with. 
And I listened to a sermon a couple of years ago um, that I've listened to a bunch of times since that was talking about scheduling and time management. And it sounds like the most boring and unsexy sermon, but it literally impacted me uh, in a profound way. It was practical, it was challenging, it was encouraging, and that's why I listened to it a few times. And there were these three lines in the sermon that the preacher said that really struck me. Firstly, the thoughtful arrangement of your daily and weekly calendar is one of the holiest endeavors you can put your hands to doing. Secondly, drafting a new weekly or monthly schedule is tantamount to writing a whole new script for the next season of your life. And thirdly, your calendar plays a critical role in determining who you will become in the next era of your life. The big idea of the sermon was what we do determines who we become. What we do determines who we become. And practically, the whatever we allow to get onto our schedules or our calendars, whatever we choose to do or or allow to fill our time, that is going to shape our future and shape our lives. It's a big deal. When we determine intentionally what we're going to do with our time, Those simple, small decisions sometimes of how we're going to spend the next week or the weekend and what we're going to do that evening, they can have far more significant and lasting effects on our lives and the lives of others than we could ever imagine. Now, some of you know this. Think about a time where you've just put something on the calendar. Maybe you've decided to do a class at gym or you've decided to do a cooking course or to learn a language and you've blocked off time each week. You've paid your deposits and you've gone because it's on your calendar and you've paid. Or maybe you've chatted to a friend and said, hey, we should do a meal together. You put it on the calendar, you make a plan and you get together. Or you've decided with some family or friends, we're going to go away for a weekend. And you find a place, you find a weekend, you pay the amount that you need to pay and then you all go because it's on the calendar. You know, the things that we decide to do, the things that we prioritize, the things that get onto our calendars are the things that end up happening and the things that shape our lives and make the lives that we have. So if you want to become a prayer, if you want to know God, if you want to walk with God, if you want to be led by Him, then maybe the most important thing that we can do is to say yes to prayer, to block out chunks of time on our calendars and to make sure that when our reminder comes, when the alarm goes off for that prayer slot, that all we do is we do it. We we do what we said we would do. We do what the calendar is telling us to do. And I want you to imagine the compound interest of faithfulness to that decision of every single day praying for something or someone just for a few minutes a day. But every day it could be your children or your spouse, it could be yourself, it could be your business, it could be our city or harbor city. It could be someone else. It could be someone you desperately desire to know Jesus. But every single day as we're praying for them, something is happening. You see, prioritizing prayer changes things and it changes us. Prioritizing prayer changes things and it changes us. Now, I know the thought that's going on in some of your heads. You're sitting there thinking, but Grant, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You're talking about calendars and schedules and agendas and planning. That doesn't sound very spiritual and spirit-led at all. I hear you, but let's think about that for a second. Christians are called disciples. We are disciples of Jesus. And that root word of disciple and the root word for discipline is the same root. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called to live by discipline, not just by inspiration. 
And what I mean by that is that we don't just obey God when we feel like it. We don't just follow Jesus and live according to his teachings when it's easy or we feel inspired or when God's presence is real to us or we're in the right mood or we've got positive vibes. No, we live from discipline like an athlete training to win a prize. You know, those athletes, especially world-class athletes, they've got a strict schedule. They've got a plan and they stick to it. You know, whether they feel like it or not, they get up early in the morning and they train. They train on public holidays. They train on weekends. They train on special holidays, even their birthdays. And they train whether they feel inspired or not because of the goal that they've got. And that's an idea we see throughout the New Testament. Paul was very fond of this idea of us as Christians or disciples living as athletes. But in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, he speaks to Timothy, his protege, and he encourages him to train himself for godliness. Now, this shouldn't seem foreign to us when it comes to spirituality, because this is how we live the rest of our lives. We plan and organize our lives around the things that are most important to us. We don't just go to work when we feel inspired or when we feel like it. If we did, most of us would be fired. And we don't just brush our teeth uh, or shower or do grocery shopping or cook dinner because we're feeling it and we're inspired. No, we do it because we need to, because it's important. You know, doing things when we feel inspired is great. But when it comes to all of those things, we do them because we don't want to smell or have a stinky breath or because we're hungry or because we need to feed our family. And then when it comes to prayer, getting up early in the morning to pray because we feel inspired is such a cool thing. If you hop up before your alarm, before the sun rises, and you're keen to pray, that's wonderful. But it's not more spiritual than setting an alarm and being woken up by it and getting up to pray and be with God because it's a priority. Also, being spontaneous is fun and it's cool and it's refreshing, but it's not more spiritual than scheduling times of prayer. People plan and prioritize certain things because they matter most to them. And it should be the same when it comes to prayer. Now, a type of prayer that has been practiced over the centuries by the church is called the daily office. And when I heard that at first, I, I kind of, uh, I don't know, my spine went up against it because, you know, I come from a charismatic background. I, I pray in tongues. I pray by the Spirit, all of those things. And this sounds like a very corporate businessy term, the daily office. But when I looked at this a little bit more, it made more sense to me. And I actually saw the beauty in this term. The word office comes from the Latin word opus, which means work. So when we talk about the daily office, we're talking about the daily work of prayer or the work of God, which is so beautiful. This type of prayer is a set time prayer, which is a little bit different to having a quiet time. I think one significant way that it's different is often I hear people when they're talking about their quiet times saying that they have gone to be with God to be filled up for the day, which makes it sound like we go to God like he's a petrol station and we ask him to fill her up and then we drive off to our next meeting or the next place that we're going and we do the rest of our life without God. Like we have devotional times and church times and Christian meetings with God and then the rest of our lives without him, you know. The other thing about this is it sounds really transactional. Like we come to God to get what we need and then we go off and live the rest of our lives rather than coming to God to be with him and to get God. And the daily office is an amazing type of prayer where we come to be with God. That's made up of a number of set times of prayer during the day. Now, I, I know exactly what's going on in some of your minds. You're going, Grant, 
trying to find time just to pray once a day is hard. I'm busy. Like you're out of touch with stress. We've got lots going on. Don't try and add anything else to our schedule. But just hear me out for a second. These times of prayer don't have to be long. They don't have to be big chunks if you don't have a lot of time. They could just be small prayer breaks, like smoke breaks throughout the day. Uh, breaks between meetings, breaks between different things where we just come to be aware of God and to speak to God and to be with Him. This type of prayer looks like a number of scheduled uh, times to stop what we're doing, to pause from everything else and to be aware of God and to be with Him. And this helps us to break that sacred secular divide which so easily fills our minds and our lives. You know, it trains us instead to bring God into everywhere that we go and to everything that we do. Ruth Haley Barton says this about this type of prayer. Fixed hour prayer gives us a way to anchor our daily lives in rhythms of prayer, scripture reading, and silence, ensuring that we do not get too far into any day without orienting or reorienting our lives to the presence of God in our lives. Now this isn't just a clever idea. You might say, cool Grant, it sounds good. I'm not going to go that way. But this is actually the biblical way of living and praying that we see in the examples of so many heroes of the faith in the Bible. Peter Scazzaro says this, David practiced set times of prayer seven times a day in Psalm 119 verse 164. Daniel prayed three times a day, Daniel 6 verse 10. Devout Jews in Jesus' time prayed two to three times a day, and Jesus himself probably followed the Jewish custom of praying at set times during the day. After Jesus' resurrection, his disciples continued to pray at certain hours of the day, Acts 3 verse 1 and 10 verse 9. This type of prayer, the daily office, is how we practice the presence of God and live life with God in the busyness of life. So how do we practically pray this way? Well, there's no set rule book or, or way that we need to do this, but let me share some important tools to help us in these set times of prayer. Firstly, as we've spoken about, is scheduling. We need to plan to pray. We, we need to mark off times in our schedules or on our calendars where we are going to pray and be with God. Set reminders on your phone throughout the day to remind you to do this, especially as this habit develops in our lives. I think I've been trying to do this in the morning at lunchtime and at the end of the day, just before I go to bed, uh, which is kind of the, the church tradition when it comes to this, you might choose some other times or maybe even to add a few other slots, whatever suits you best. You can decide what you want to do, how long these chunks will be, but schedule them into your calendar and stick with them. You probably know this quote by Benjamin Franklin, but he said, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. I think that's so true. I, really what I want to say to you about scheduling is what is your prayer plan? What does it look like and are you sticking to it? The second thing is stop. We've already spoken about this idea a little bit already, but these times need to be a break, a pause, like a, a firm stop from everything else that we're doing so that we can get time to just be focused on and alone with God. So we need to stop what we're doing. We need to allow ourselves some time to mentally shift or transition from what we've been doing onto God. If that means you need to get up and go somewhere else. Get a change of scenery, go for a walk, go outside, go into another room, whatever it is. But clear your head, get rid of distractions, and begin to pray. Thirdly, engage with the Bible. Now, you might not do this a few times a day. I know some of you do. Uh, but 
especially if you're trying to find just a, a gap between meetings. It could be hard to find time to read the scriptures and really engage with it and pray. But definitely make sure that you at least start each day in the scriptures. And when you do this, read slowly and prayerfully. Don't just charge through it, but think through what you're reading. Ask questions, meditate on it, and enjoy God's word. Let it speak to you. And then fourthly, listen. Is the Holy Spirit trying to highlight anything to you or to speak to you from the scriptures? Is there anything that stands out to you? Anything that the Spirit is teaching you or uh, correcting you on or encouraging you about or challenging you on? Is there anything that you can apply to your life? Anything that you need to stop doing or start doing in response to his word? And then fifthly, pray freely. You know, in that moment of prayer, as that schedule comes up, there could be a few things that have been going on in that day that are on your mind or on your heart that you want to pray about. Could be a meeting that you're about to go into or that you've just come from. Could be a difficult coworker or boss. It could be something that popped up in the morning that you actually just haven't been able to think about or stop thinking about all day. Pray about those things. Some of you might also choose to have a bit of a prayer list that you work through in those times. This is my little prayer book that I've been using for the last while. And it's got a bunch of pages with people, family members, friends, churches, scriptures that I pray through for you for Harbor City every day or some days. I find this list so helpful because it reminds me of the things that I want to prioritize in prayer. Things I want to pray for people that I might forget if they aren't written down. And one of the gifts of a prayer list like this is crossing things off of the list as God answers prayer. It's a reminder of his power and his involvement in our lives. It's a reminder that he is at work. And it's actually a testimony to me as I look back at those crossed off things that God is at work as we pray. So I'd encourage you to do that. And then lastly is silence and solitude. We've already spoken about removing distractions and stopping and pausing from everything going on around us. But it is helpful to begin and end these times of prayer with just a pause, with, with silence, to become attentive to God and what He's doing. And that can be really hard for us, just to stop and do nothing, to be alone, uh, to be silent, to not be speaking or reading or doing anything. If you're anything like me, it's easy to want to just reach for your phone or to start to pray or to read another verse of the Bible, but not to just be alone with God silently. In uh, the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro says this, Dallas Willard has called silence and solitude the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Solitude is the practice of being absent from people and things to be attentive to God. Silence is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Henry Nouwen said that without solitude, it is almost impossible to live a spiritual life. For you and I, we need to carve out space in the busyness of life, in the business of life, to be with God, to be alone with Him and attentive to Him, undistracted, to hear from Him and to enjoy Him. And for some of us, praying in this way will not feel natural as we start out. You know, uh, this could be different for you. Some of you are going to grab onto this easily. For others, this might take a while to adjust to. Uh, it might take a while before it becomes comfortable and natural and as we develop those new prayer muscles. But as we get used to this way of being with God, as we practice praying throughout the day, we're going to grow in an awareness of the presence of God. And we're going to become more alert to what God is doing and saying in all of life. I want to end the sermon, but also I want to end the series with one last really important comment. 
I've set pre-reminders on my phone probably for the last couple of years and still I often ignore them or just switch them off when they pop up. Uh, I'll uh, often get to the end of a time just of Bible reading and I realize, you know what, I just read three, four chapters of the Bible and I don't think I took anything in. My mind was on other things. I was distracted. I don't know how engaged I was. I also find sometimes in my prayers with God that they are powerful, life-giving, invigorating, the best time of my day. But more often than not, I don't leave with a sense of feelings or special revelation. It's just been an ordinary time praying and being with God, which is still a gift. And finally, honestly, this moment of honest confession. Sometimes when my alarm goes off early in the morning to wake me up to go and pray, I switch it off. I don't just hit snooze, I just switch it off. And I lie in bed under the covers and it is glorious. And I want to say all of that because if that happens with you, that's okay. Our prayer life is not about performance. You and I don't pray to earn God's love or to keep God happy with us. We pray because we want to know Him. We're not praying so that God will accept us or love us. The gospel teaches us that actually we pray from the love of God and from the acceptance of God as His daughters and sons. And we're not coming to God just to get something from Him. When we come to pray, we come to get God, to be with God, to enjoy Him. And this is maybe the most key aspect of all of this. And it's that Jesus is the one who has made a way for you and I to know God. It's not us. You know, it is Jesus, not your prayer performance or style, how loud or silent you are, how undistracted or distracted you are, uh, not which type of prayer you pray or how well you pray or how focused you pray. None of that. It is Jesus, not our prayers that makes a way for us to know God. And we see that throughout the scriptures. John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, not through prayer performance. Ephesians 3 verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Our confidence in coming to God in prayer is not based on how well we've been doing in prayer or righteousness or or being disciplined or anything like that. And it's not crushed when we fail or mess up or don't do what we're going to do. If you miss a week of doing this kind of thing, it doesn't ruin our confidence to come and be before God because it's not based on what we do. It's based on Him. If you are in Jesus this morning, you are a child of God. And through Him, in Him, you are able to come to God and enjoy God and be with God. And if you're not a Christian today, the promise of Jesus is that today, if you come to him with your sin, if you come to him with your life, if you ask him to forgive you, to wash you clean, to give you a new life, he will also give you access to the Father in heaven through himself. This is the promise of Jesus. We practice the presence of God, not through our prayer, but through him.